right to gather and the First Amendment. Choices I'd rather and thoughts independent. Getting a lawyer when I'm in a fight. These are a few of my favorite rights. Okay, remember the scene in the film Gypsy when Rosalind Russell plods down the theater aisle yelling at her daughter to perform on stage, Sing out, Louise! Sing out! I'm telling you, that doesn't sound like Rosalind Russell. Um, I'm not a Rosalind Russell star. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it, there's an activist group, they call themselves Sing Out Louise, inspired by the election of the Don, to protest through parody song in the key of F.U., I'm stealing like that. that. Yeah. I'm stealing That's that. their line, not ours. I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad. Gathered on the porch of Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar for this Bar Crawl Radio Conversation are four representatives of four very different progressive activist groups, all inspired by the last election to speak out, act out, write out, and sing out against President Drumpf. Drumpf. And his crooked, crumbling cronies. There is a lot to talk about. And so, from the center of the universe, that is, across the street from the mortuary, and down the block from the best way to get protein and gas, Grace Papaya Hot Dog Stand, here we go! <laughs> And uh, that's uh, Wade Ripka's uh, Eastern Blockheads band. They usually play at Bar Pez. In Brooklyn. Uh, and that's always introducing Bar Crawl Radio. Um, Great. I love it. Great that's music. right. And uh, they're, out of, they're out in Brooklyn. And I never get tired of that bop pop song. Bop, bop, never. I know. You never do. That's why I never. keep playing it. And welcome back to Alina. Thank you. Alina Larson. Thank you. Uh, BCR co-producer who put this program together today. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Good. I've heard you've been traveling to the Dominican yes, Republic. Yes, I went to the Dominican Republic. Uh, it was a mixed bag. It's a beautiful place, uh, but my son got sick. Um, oh. I don't recommend. What, did, what um, did he get? Well, I think it's the flu, but the dramatic part was that the clinic said that he had pneumonia and possibly dengue. Oh, no. Can't so, get that a worm or something? It's from a mosquito. Mosquito, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Swimming in dirty water or something. I, they no, just carry just, the germ. Yeah, they just carry it, right? Yeah. Exactly. So we're in this clinic, and his he's got 104 fever. <gasps> 104. And they put him on IV. They're taking blood. The blood's spilling on the ground. Oh, that's And scary. they're saying that he has to stay in the hospital because he has pneumonia and possibly dengue. And then his New York doctor is like, you know what? It's the flu. He's fine. Just take him home. So it was he, a he, real battle. He, <laughs> he, might, he might be better in Dominican <laughs> Republic than now in New York. Yeah, yeah. You know. it, no, part of me was thinking, like, does he already have coronavirus? Is yeah. he, like, an early adopter? No, he's, he's got the good disease. He just has pneumonia. <laughs> right. right. So, so they wouldn't, so would, they let, would they release him? Were they? They did. They, they did. did, yeah. 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 Um, I think they may have been trying to get money out of us. So. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. But, uh, okay, you got to say one nice thing about the Dominican Republic. It's absolutely beautiful. I went on the best whale watch of my life. Ah. Oh, nice. Um, you know, great swimming, great beaches, beautiful, hilly palm tree mountains is beautiful. Yeah, so. Mixed that bag, part was, was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Our but yeah, always we survived. When we vacation too. They always right. get sick. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, he does about 50% of the time. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was still beautiful. It was fun. We survived. That's yeah. okay. great. Yeah. That's great. Thank well, you thank for you. asking. Welcome back. We, we missed you. you. We have with us today on the Gephardt Bar Porch the leaders of four social political activist groups, Sing Out Louise, The Shrill Collective, Learn as Protest, and Markers for Democracy. And let's meet each of them. Yes, thank you, Jeff, for Learn as Protest. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I had the pleasure of um, reading for, um, for Jeff and Learn as Protest um, two times. But yeah, if you can just tell us how you came up with the idea and, and launched it and made it happen. Sure, thanks so much for having me. Um, so Learn as Protest is a teach-in. The idea has been around for a long time. And I think, you know, if you look back at Abby Hoffman or, you know, certain pr activists who were um, working in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it goes back further than that, but I work a block from Trump Tower, and I have spent the last 13 years in the proximity of Trump Tower, and after 
the Republican National Convention, the whole place was becoming militarized. And then immediate, immediately after the election, knowing that it was a public space, a, a privately owned public space, as was Zuccotti Park, where the Occupy movement um, had its heyday, I started thinking about ways that I could use Trump's space against him. And the building remains the site of the Trump Organization's business operations. And so on a regular basis, we see uh, Eric Trump or Donnie Jr. in the lobby. But um, in the time between the election and the, the inauguration, I was going every day and asking for people to come and join me. And um, we would generally go around lunch hour and people could come read whatever felt was important to them as part of the teaching. And so in the intervening years, there's uh, everything has been read at this point. I mean, not every subject and not every writer, but people have read from plays, they've read poetry, they've read their own writing, they've sang songs, and certainly they've read lectures, letters, and important historical documents um, that apply to our particular moment here. Um, the, the goal really was to get people to teach and to learn, and that's why I called it Learn as Protest. We, we, none of us are teachers, none of us are professors, none of us are standing on a soapbox. We're, we're generally standing around learning from one another, whether it's an op-ed from that morning's times or it's a text going back to uh, the very beginning of the source materials for Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, reading uh, about how the people of Hispaniola were treated by the people that sailed with Columbus. I mean, it, it has run the gamut. And it's been a wonderful experience for me. It is therapeutic, I think. And Alina, maybe you have a feeling about this. Absolutely. Just, you stand in the lobby and you read, you know, uh, we read a speech by Malcolm X on the 55th anniversary of his murder um, in the lobby of Trump Tower. Now, I don't know how, how often Malcolm X has been invoked or his words have been read in the lobby of Trump Tower, I, I would imagine it's probably very few. And so being able to, you know, be a middle-aged white guy and go into the lobby and not fear for my safety or fear, you know, it's a very comfortable thing. I'm not putting my, my body on the line and I really truly appreciate the people that do in their activism. Um, for me, it's, I can go out on my lunch hour, I can convene a group of people who want to learn and then we hope that we can bring voices and experience, experiences to that space that wouldn't otherwise be there. And, and to learn in um, a space where Donald Trump has to pay uh, to clean the toilets that we <laughs> use afterwards. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much uh, for listening. If you are, this is Learn is Protest. This is the last teaching of 2017. And because it's the last teaching of 2017, I thought I'd read from Hope in the Dark. Some of these words have become sort of the watchword for this protest. Um, we have the escalator and the Christmas tree and Trump Tower behind us. And uh, it seems like as good a time as any to read these words by Rebecca Solnit from Hope in the Dark. To hope is to give yourself to the future, and that commitment to the future makes the present inhabitable. Anything could happen, and whether we act or not has everything to do with it. Though there is no lottery ticket for the lazy and the detached, for the engaged, there is a tremendous gamble for the highest stakes right now. What has been the reaction from you know the other people that you've had read, or let's say also just from the employees? Sure. Yeah. There's there's a whole range of experiences that we've had from um, you know angry people yelling us down, build that wall, and things like that, um, to people who sit on the benches nearby and listen intently for an hour and then when they approach us we don't know what way they're going to go and and hearing um people we were sure would be displeased with us joint sort of join in and ask how they could participate from the state that they're from and and find ways to expand the teach-in the people that work in the lobby of trump tower um there's the the social uh, sorry the C uh, secret service and the new york uh, the NYPD intelligence unit are very civil to us okay. and um, have, have always been very nice. The actual employees of the building, the, the security that he employs, have not. But they can't do anything about us. We've okay. only been removed, I think, 
once when there was a group of students from Hunter College that were all reading aloud from a single text together. And they told us we couldn't chant aloud in the lobby and they, they moved us out of the building. But oh. beyond that, um, as long as an individual is reading out loud, it doesn't seem to matter the volume, uh, we, can, we can get away with that. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you, I think you said it's every Friday at noon. Is that right? That's right. We try and be there every single Friday at noon. Anyone can join us. We don't censor anybody. We had a visitor recently who wanted to speak extemporaneously about his love of the Trump administration, <laughs> and we let him. And we put them live on Facebook, and I said, I, I have no interest in censoring you. Great. Um, and he sat and listened to all of our readings for the 45 minutes before he read. Great. So we did him the honor of letting him say things that I didn't believe in, but it was his place to do it. So. That was very big of you to do that. Wow. <laughs> do you get yeah. regulars? Do you get like people that come back every week? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Jeff, and the other Jeff is someone who is um, almost exactly my father's age. He's a, um, a former educator and writer and uh, Vietnam veteran, and he um, has been joining me since the very get-go. And, and we have very different life experiences, but he's been there pretty much since the start. So the two Jeffs are usually <laughs> there. Cool. And it's usually somewhere between, you know, four and six people on a weekly basis. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. There's so much more we could talk about. We could have, we'd have four shows here uh, with <laughs> each sure. one of you. We it's also true. have with us Jay Walker, leader of Sing Out, Louise. Becky and I heard your group about two years ago around Christmas time in, uh, in, uh, Rock, in uh, Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Center around the, near, near the, the tree. tree. Yeah, the and, and you were there, and I, I still have the sheet you handed out. Yes. I was going to bring it in. I know. And we, I, why didn't I, we bring I, it? I, I didn't we bring it out. Yeah, it was together. a bright day. Christmas and songs. You guys are having so much fun, and the lyrics were so great. And the opening of the show was you guys uh, singing uh, from Favorite Things. Let's hear about Sing Out Louise. Um, it began as Gays Against Guns, or GAG, right? Yes, yes, oh, and, and thank you for having me. Um, sure. Originally, uh, you know, Gays Against Guns was founded that election year. It was founded in June of 2016, right after the um, Pulse Massacre in Orlando, Florida. And as we were coming into the Christmas season, one of our members, Mark Leidorf, um, who um, is a former uh, chorus boy on Broadway and also um, a, uh, a writer and a lyricist who uh, written a few off-Broadway musicals himself came up with this idea that, you know, the Christmas the holiday season is coming. Let's do some fractured, uh, fractured um, Christmas carols. And so that year, you know, we were preparing for it all you know, through October. He was writing away and rewriting all these Christmas carols throughout, throughout October that were all really anti-gun um, lyrics, because this was as a part of, as a part of Gays Against Guns, and uh, which then, is a whole other topic. That, which is a whole other topic. <laughs> is, that, is that still around? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a founding member yeah. of that, and uh, yeah, we are still really active. In fact, we did an action in front of Trump Tower uh, on Valentine's Day, which we there do. Is such a thing as gays for guns? There is a group called the Pink Pistols that every now and then someone claims that they're really big, and then they just sort of disappear, and they're social media pages yeah. never get updated and and you know it's it's only ever like one person at a time right, that's, that's so a you don't <laughs> have to be an activist um, in this country to be for guns you don't have to I mean exactly. that's a given yeah exactly There's it's sort of in the lifeblood yeah. yeah yeah exactly so um, sing out Louise. So sing out, yeah. So we, um, so you know, then then the election happened, and it was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I think we were all there. <laughs> and so Mark hurriedly, you know, hurriedly uh, rewrote a bunch of uh, of songs into anti-Trump songs, and uh, we started going out. Uh, I think right after Thanksgiving, you know, the typical start of the of the holiday season, and uh, we really started getting attention. People loved it. I think that it especially in, in those early, uh, that, that early period, um, it, people, New Yorkers specifically, were kind of shell-shocked. Um, you know, you know, uh, us who, who know Donald Trump, who have loathed Donald Trump for, you know, 30 plus years, those of us who have lived in the city that long, um, you know. The, the Apprentice was, I, I could not watch it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 watched the, I watched the season that Joan Rivers was on because she's like my guardian celebrity. Right. I'm like, she's come into my life like a million times, you know, before, you know, over the years. So I watched that season and I, and, uh, 
But, um, you know, I used to work directly across the street from Trump Tower at the old Doubleday Bookshop that used to be at 724 Fifth Avenue. And, and, and I happened to start working there right when Art of the Deal was on the bestseller list. And so he was in our store constantly. And uh. people would flee to the back of the store just to avoid him. So, you know, <laughs> my loathing of this man goes back goes back to the 80s um, uh, and so so we you know so we just got out there we just started singing it was members of gays against guns and people really enjoyed it and people the lyrics are bouncy and oh, lively and create i mean it's like no coward yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot it's a lot of snark a play, it's a lot of a play on sounds and words and words and, exactly. and it makes you feel so good when you sing it and that's yeah. the you know and that's the idea that you know that activism doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be in a place of perpetual anger so you know just to sort of give people we're all angry about the situation but we can at least take a few moments and just sort of express some joy uh, and just have some have some fun with it and just enjoy enjoy the humor yeah. and you know and we're, we're fortunate in that you know when we're on the left the artistic community generally speaking <laughs> is kind of on our side you know you yeah. have your occasional james woods but they're few and far between um, a conservative artist i don't know is that does that work it does, yeah it, it kind there of are does a few. there are a few yeah, there neocon are a few, right? artists. remember that guy who said my cold dead hands uh, yeah yeah and lenny reifenstahl <laughs> so there are there a few you go. out there there you go there's, there's the art of the the art of the right uh thanks jay sure, uh, that, that was great i just got to read your your buttons we have Sing Out Louise mm -hmm. with your logo, and then NRA Sashay Away. Yes, that's one of that's been a gag's uh, catchphrase since uh, the very beginning. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so uh, we also have with us Chelsea Feltman. Did I say it right? That's correct. Okay, good. The dramaturg for the Shrill Collective, which began as six artistic women so totally bored with the patriarchy and a New York City acting class that they decided to take charge. So tell us about the Shrill Collection. Collective, collective. This, it is a collection of amazing women. Um, but the Shrill Collective is a activist theater company that, as you said, we got started kind of right after the um, the election in 2016. The day after the election, we were all sitting in acting class together, and we hadn't known each other that long. Some of us had only been in the class a couple of weeks. Some Can of I ask what acting months. class it was? Oh, I'll do a little plug. Our teacher is Matthew Corazine of the the Matthew Corazine Studio on 36th Street. It's a phenomenal coach. But Hi, Matt. We just kind of held each other. It was such a weird day. The day after the election, it like, felt like a, like a bomb had hit. And no one really knew what to say. And everyone had just all this like pent-up feeling. And shortly after that, uh, we marched together in the first Women's March that January. And um, around that time, someone shared an article among us about like some repeated attempt from the Republican Party to place more restrictions on women's bodily autonomy. And I made a joke, someone made a joke that we should, you know, do a moratorium on boycott making out with Republicans ever again. And I said, I said, it's a modern day Lissa Estrada. And that became our first project. So we adapted Lissa Estrada. And like from, I'm really proud of all our work. This first production was a mess but it was great it was it was just off the wall we didn't know what we were doing it was inventive and weird and low budget and uh, we decided to donate all of our proceeds to the reproductive health access project uh -huh. which is a really amazing grassroots organization that uh, is based here in New York City but does work all over the country so you don't take any money for yourselves? We take a, a small portion. The majority of our proceeds go to the uh, partner organization. I mean, it must cost you money to put the right. The, we the show we on. take we we have it figured out. We have a percentage that we take that's pretty modest, and through that and our fundraising, we're able to kind of break even and keep doing more shoestring right. productions. Right, right, right. Um, so we've uh, three years later. We're actually today is the third anniversary third anniversary of our first sit down meeting together, where we decided to today today yeah, yeah. we decided to form a company. Uh, and we wanted it to be a theater company. We wanted to create opportunities for ourselves and our colleagues. And we also wanted to keep drawing awareness to issues that affect women and other marginalized people across the board and to raise money for these organizations. And the collective is only women? It's women and non-binary folks. Okay. Okay. All right. Got it. So what's, what's with Shrill? What is that? So... 
Uh, you might remember. Because I see on your website, you're all like, you know, like as if you're singing. Like yeah. A, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm looking at your button with the open mouth, and our logo is very similar. Yeah. It's like a yeah. screaming mouth. Let's um, sing out Louise logo. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah. So cool. Um, we thought of the name. It was right off the heels of the, uh, the last election, and we all, it was very fresh in our minds that one of the criticisms that was hurled at Hillary Clinton was that she sounded shrill. Right. And we can, we wanted to use that and reclaim that. There and you go. Own that. So we're loud and brassy and we don't care what yeah. you think. You don't like shrill? All right. right. Here we go. <laughs> so Trifles, tell us about that. It's a play about a woman abused by her husband. Yes. Trifles is actually a, it's a piece that's about 100 years old. It was really? written by a woman named Susan Glassbell in, I think, 1916. And it, it's a little short 20-minute play about uh, two women who are married to the sheriff and the county attorney, and they're inside this woman's house who has been taken away as a suspect in her husband's murder. And the men are off doing their important investigation. I'm doing air quotes. Um, and while they're on a... While they are going through her things and, and completely oblivious to the sort of domestic world that is that they're in. The wives go through the, the small items of her everyday life, the trifles of a woman's life, and they find out what happened. They wow. figure out that she, she had had a pet canary that she loved and her husband killed the canary and she snapped. And they decide to hide the evidence and protect her. And well, the, the, hus the husband had been abusing her. Yes, right, right. yes. Right. I should say that it is. It is. Uh, you not. You not. You don't see or hear from the husband or the wife. Well, he's dead, right? He's de right. He's dead, and the wife has already been taken away. Mm. So you never see this character. She's just spoken about, and they talk about how she once was this girl who sang in the choir, and she was so lively and and beautiful, and that her husband just like killed all the life out of her, mm. and so. They, um, when in our adaptation, what we did was we added a prologue with music where Minnie, the main character who you never see, becomes a narrator and a character. And so we brought it back 20 years to her life when she was her, her most free and happy self. And we created a little Hootenanny Roots Music concert and uh, created a community for her and a life for her so that when she then goes on to narrate the play after this terrible thing has happened, the audience has a sense that she was a real person and that she, what she lost and why she might have been driven to, to kill her husband. Alina, you saw this production, didn't you? I did, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we're gonna hear a little piece from it. Um, I don't know if I got the name, my little sparrow. Ah, uh, yeah. This is um, our version of "Come All Ye Fair and Tender Ladies," which it's, is it's it's beautiful. Song. So stick Thank around you. for the break, because we'll 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 play a bit a bit of that. I was just curious, um, how does it end? Or maybe you should. I mean, I know mm. it's not playing. Well, anymore, the original so. play ends with the Glassbell's text ends with the wives deciding to hide the evidence, the primary piece of evidence. Um, and our, our version, I won't say too much about it, but we give Minnie the last word. And it doesn't end well for her, but it, at least she gets to say her piece. So what, or, what organizations have you worked with? We've, as I said, we've worked with the Reproductive Health Access Project. Right. Uh, we've worked with Everytown uh, for gun safety, gun sense, I can't remember the full name. Um, Women in Need, WIN, Safe Horizon, something else. Uh, 826 NYC, a bunch of organizations focusing on many different issues that affect the most vulnerable people in our community. Very cool. Thank Very you. cool. And you get to have fun. Yeah, That's we do. Great. <laughs> That's great. Thank, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. And we also want to welcome Ellen uh, Bender with Markers for Democracy. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I got to meet Ellen uh, last year. Um, I happened to come across one of her events. Um, writing postcards and so I showed up and the entire restaurant was taken over by um, people writing postcards and she had the most amazing supply of every marker sticker and everything under the sun and it just made it so much fun so 
Welcome, Ellen. If Yeah, you can tell us about how you got this started and what everyone does and what it's become. Great. Um, thanks for having me. So Markers for Democracy was started um, in September 2018, um, which was sort of leading up to the midterms by two friends, myself and my friend Julie Kern. And we met one day to decide to, that we, we had each been writing postcards to voters at home on our kitchen counter. And I called it Sharpie therapy because I would watch the TV and get really irate. And, um, you know, I'd write a postcard in brightly colored Sharpies and it would make me feel better, at least temporarily. So we met one day and we said, why don't we try to do this in a group setting? So we marched over to our local Le Pan Quotidian, LPQ and New Yorkies. And um, we, you know, met in the first day, there were five people. And we decided to do it twice a week on Tuesday and Friday mornings. Um, and you know, by the sort of third or fourth week, we had 25 or 30 people, um, and it kept growing. And so we wrote through the midterms, and actually, before the midterms, we were writing as many as five days a week. So we would, ha you know, stay come to Le Pan Quotidian at 9.30 with a bunch of postcards and Sharpies and um, po postcard stamps, which is actually the most expensive part of the enterprise. And, um, you know, we would write postcards to voters, and we did it through an organization called Postcards to Voters, which was started by a guy named Tony the Democrat. And he started it in, during the John Ossoff special election in Georgia, which was that first special election after 2016. Um, and, you know, same thing. He started with, like, six people, and now... Since that time, um, I think there's close to 7 million postcards that have been written through the organization nationwide, and our group has written 40,000 of them. Amazing. Yeah. Um, 7 million. That's goodness. amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and um, so, you know, we started writing postcards, and we interact and overlap. There are several other sort of postcarding activist groups in the city. Um, the Downtown Nasty Women's Social Group is one, and there are a bunch of others. And, you know, we they meet at the Le Pan Quotidian at Bleecker and Sixth every Monday morning. So we have, like, sort of different groups that we can send people to. Our group, you know, after writing postcards for a few months, we decided we wanted to do more. Um, you know, many of us had started at the Women's March in Washington um, in um, tw the first uh, twenty. 2017, is that right? It's, I, time in Trump era goes like <laughs> fast and slow. It's war. Yeah, exactly. So, so many of us have been doing that, but we wanted to do more. We started a book group, which we it's called the OBG or the Obama Book Group, and we read all the books that Obama has recommended in his yearly end of year reading recommendation. So we're on his like fifth book, and he's already like we're in 2018 still, and he's like leaped on to sorry 2019. Um, and then we started this like back in 2019, we started a giving circle to raise money um, to to try to flip the Virginia State House. Um, so because of our post carding most a lot of our postcarding is done for state and local elections in different states around the country so we've written to I, I think somewhere around 35 states at this point and and you know everything from school board and city council to um, state legislative and gov gubernatorial elections so wow. because because of all that we learned about state elections and why state legislatures matter. And in fact, I think when you were writing for us, we were writing for the no IDC candidates here in New York, which ended up flipping the New York State yes. um, Senate. And once that happened, they passed all this progressive legislation that had been bottlenecked in New York State for so many years. So we're trying to do that in other states. So in 2019, we were in Virginia. And now this year, um, we're going into Pennsylvania and Arizona. So it sounds like you have a really good success rate at it seems to me. Well, Virginia, yeah, ah, we're, we're by, yeah, yeah. New York, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, and we yeah. did a show on IDC. Look out, here come the postcard <laughs> ladies. Yeah. Yeah, we did a show on IDC. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah I remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so th thank how, you for getting that it, done. How yeah. has it been uh, for the people that have joined, and how has it been for you as far as the, the therapy aspect of it? As I said, I think there really is a, a therapeutic aspect of it, as I think all of us have agreed today, that, that actually doing something makes you feel better. So, yeah. 
we, you know, people will show up and amazingly, you know, two days, we, we are there from 9.30 to 12.30 and often even stay longer and people will stay the whole time and write 20 or 30 postcards and I think it makes them feel better because again, every little, you know, your postcard may not make that much of a difference, but all of these people writing all these postcards, and again, our postcards are just telling people to go vote. I mean, that's our message, vote. Yeah. Um, get to the polls. You know, we, we don't write me negative messages. It's all positive pro-voting messages, and it actually feels very empowering. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And you've had uh, speakers come, and, we and have, politicians, right? Yes, actually, just this Tuesday, Tedra Cobb, who's running um, for the seat up in uh, the North Country in the Adirondacks, who's running against Elise Stefanik, who many of us came to loathe during the um, impeachment hearings. So, um, so Tedra Cobb came to visit us, and she was very inspiring. Wendy Davis has come, who just actually um, won the nomination for um, a House seat in Texas. We, if everyone remembers her, she was in this Texas State Senate and did that filibuster right. wearing her running shoes. So she's come, um, Lucy McBath has come, um, and we've had, let's see, um, Perry Gershon, Carol, you know, a lot of, yeah, Carolyn Maloney, and um, we have visitors coming pretty much every week at this point. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. And thank, yeah. and thank you all for being here. Uh, you're listening to a podcast, everybody. I'm not sure if you knew that. You know that. Well, this is Bar Crawl Radio, and we've just learned about four organizations that have risen up to fight the anxiety that has gripped this nation since the yellow top tyrant took over the White House. And we're going to take a tiny break so we can drink our beer here. Is everyone enjoying their beer? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise your volume. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, Gephardt, are, are Gep other things. Gephardt like says good, fresh, new beers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There. So we can take a tiny break, uh, but do not despair. We'll be right back to find out more about four ways to protest. And to ease us through the moment, here's a song from the Shrill Collective's adaptation of Susan Glassbell's play, Trifles. heard a piece from the Shrill Collective's adaptation of Susan Glassbell's play, Trifles. We'd like now to talk about the experiences of challenging political power. Hmm. Yeah, and What's I think this, like? this is kind of open to everybody now, <laughs> so it's, it's a free-for-all. All your mics are on. I think what we got was, what I was hearing was that the election of Donald Trump in 2016 affected us all. I mean, that's no... It's no duh. I mean, we yeah, we all we all know that. Well, I tell them what you did, Alan. Yeah, I mean, I uh, at eight thirty that night, November. What was it? Uh, I don't when know. When we knew that that Trump was going to be our president. Eight. Yeah, I mean, I I turned off the TV. I went to my he studio. couldn't stand to listen to those. And I started anymore. calling around the country because I couldn't. I I lost my faith in news media, and I started a program called No News Media for Now, and I started calling around the country for the next month. You interviewed my like brother, three, who four is a times Trump supporter. A week. And, and, and the first one, one of the first I called was, was Jim. Yeah. Who, he said, who, get over it. Who told me, get over it. <laughs> That's, it's the new world, get over it. But, you know, the interesting one was, I think, you, you interviewed the, a man in Florida who had, his, had gone kind of viral. He was a, uh, I think he was an artist. And he um, didn't want to hear the results. Yeah, so he, he, he put headphones me. on and he walked around with, with the, the signs. Don't, don't tell me who won. <laughs> and he stayed, you know, mostly in his bungalow. So for the most of you, that's what got you started, right? Was this, had you been active before? Um, for me, I had been uh, years and years ago. And then the Gays thing, against guns. Well, no, well, well, prior to that, I mean, yeah. years ago, like in the, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, um, around after Matthew Shepard um, was was murdered and then I sort of moved out of activism entirely uh, for for over a decade and then the Paul shooting that the, the Paul yeah. shooting uh, in June of 2016 is what re-engaged me um, and that's helped. what got gag started yeah exactly that's what I was one of the founding members of gag uh, which we started a meeting at the LGBT Center and so the good thing about that was that it sort of reattached me 
to the world of New York City activism because I, I you know, especially queer activism. So a lot of people that a lot of act uppers uh, were, were there at the beginning of GAG. A lot of people that you know from Queer Nation and from all of these other activist groups, you know, joined us in in protest because everyone was sort of shocked to their core when when Pulse happened. Um, There's so many things that's been shocking us over yeah. the last four years. I oh, mean, yeah. it's almost shock has become a norm. Yeah, it's a, da- which it's a daily not, Which thing. is dangerous. <laughs> when shock well, because it's become normal. normalized, right? It's exactly. like, that's the fear right now. Is exactly. That He's so done a great job. has become normalized. The right. Don has done a great job in making shock norm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the shock jock. Yeah, yeah. What about everyone else? How, uh, how did you come to this uh, activism? Well, so... I'd, already, I'd always been active in reproductive justice since the time that I was in college. And I went to Wesleyan University in the oh. late 1970s, which my husband always says is like the 1960s anywhere else. So <laughs> our social life included, like, sit, we had sit-ins. That was sort of like what we did on a Saturday night. So it comes to me naturally, but I, you know, was, I was a lawyer. I was a litigator. I did that for a few years. And then I did sort of PA mom volunteering work. And I found, actually, that the skills of running a bake sale and all the things that you do as a PA mom actually translate very well to activism because it's really organ- it's like a community organizer at different levels. So, um, yeah. So it's and now this is very much it's a full time um, commitment for me. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. How are you going to start? Chelsea. I, I think for a lot of people my age, I'm 30 now. The first election I voted in was Obama in 2008, and so I think. I didn't really I was always passionate about issues but I hadn't really gotten on the street as it were until 2016 and I think a lot of people in my demographic are, are the same I think I'd never been to a march until 2017 we, co- we covered the women's march in Washington DC that was an amazing it was event. an incredible I mean right. I did it here in New York but it was an incredible yeah. incredible just phenomenon um, but yeah, it, I think this really ignited something that I hadn't, I had always cared about stuff, but I'd never really gotten out there and, and created something or, or done something. The only time I remember that had anything like that was Vietnam. Of course, you all don't, re- well, many of you don't, some of us do remember Vietnam, was the activism that happened in Vietnam because that was entirely wrong and we knew it and, and we were young and we, we did, a lot of us did something about it. So, yeah. My parents took me down to D.C. Um, for a rally during the 1960s against the war, and I took my daughter to D.C. for the Women's March. Oh, you were there? Yes, and it was just such an amazing experience to be there and to be there with her um, generationally. Um, I mean, in a way, we yeah. got we got to thank the Don for bringing us together, yeah. in a way. I mean... We, well, we, he woke us up. That's for sure. He woke. That's what happened. To who we really are. Well, and he, and to the, who we really are. And exactly. all the different groups that were siloed before became a part of this much larger resistance, yeah. which has been the really exciting thing. Where you know, for me, I, I've learned so much more about women's about women's issues, about women's reproductive rights. I've learned so much more about disability rights through my work with other groups like Rise and Resist. And you know, it's. It, it, I feel like that, you know we've it, we've created this sort of like large. Mega kind of family, it's not a good MAGA, thing. not MAGA, MAGA. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is true. The catalyst of uh, the shock of the election, and then this immediate response, like uh, like your body trying to reject a virus, mm-hmm. and and I feel like as someone who has young kids and has a family and has a full time job, I was seeing more people that hadn't been active because oh I don't have time I can't you know oh I give a few dollars or whatever I saw more people step on the front lines in this period of time than I'd ever seen and you know and maybe it had been since Vietnam that that people were willing to to stand up I mean I I would hope that this will continue even if we get someone blue elected in November I shouldn't say if when we get someone blue elected in November but you know, uh, Chelsea was talking about, you know, it's three years ago since your, the first meeting of your group. Today is the day that Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race. And there, there is... I'm so sad. Well, I'm and so you, sad. And you see no, this cycle yeah. start to go what feels like it's headed towards a uh, uh, predestined conclusion that, we're, that it will be a Trump-Biden um, election. And yeah. I, again vote blue no matter who and all of that but it, it does feel like maybe the change that we're all hoping for won't come so easy even though we were out there doing what we do and so 
I hope even if we get that change that the, the this group uh, all of these groups will continue yes. to, to use the the original catalyst yes. of Trump's election. Never to, again. Uh, right, never again. Oh, there's a comedian that, I mean, they advertise me on, on Radio Lab. I keep hearing him, but I thought it was perfect. He talked about pol- politicians in general and their, um, you know, that politicians lie. And if you did a Venn di- diagram of, you know, politicians and, and lying, it would be like a, an eclipse, you know. So, I mean, we have, you have, we all have to be there. We, I mean, it doesn't matter who's in office. There's a lot of problems with our government, and we all have to keep, keep aware and keep you know the dialogue going. And yeah. Do you do you do you all have anyone in your family who like uh, in our family we have Trump supporters? I've got a cousin who's a Trump supporter, and he doesn't talk to me. And you have two cousins, Karen too. Oh, Karen, yeah, right. Hi, Karen. And (laughs) And, uh, my brother, brother, my brother Jim. Jim is a Trump supporter. Do you have anyone in your family that's like that? Black. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, though, but they're... Well, I'm just saying the odds are much, much lower for a black person to have a Trump supporter in their family. the thing is that there are. There are. I, oh, there are. You see that, you kind of go, what are you thinking? Their families don't speak to them. <laughs> yeah. um, Je- anyone? No. Jewish? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am half Jewish and half Italian, and there are none on the Jewish side. <laughs> uh, but I have an aunt and uncle on the other side who are Trumpers, and my uh, husband's family. A lot of them are quite conservative and voted that way, so it's hard. So, yeah. I'm, I'm so, yeah. so the, the family Thanksgiving, you just don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. we don't talk. It's interesting you said that because I'm Jewish and I married an Italian woman and my children are in your position, half Jewish, half Italian. And yes, the Italian side of the family has Trumpers on it. So yeah, yeah. And it's it's tough. I mean, you know, we, I would say that um, lines of communication that were open before just aren't anymore. And I was willing to take a certain amount of abuse over Obama, but the, you know, Things just ground to a halt when right. Trump got away. I mean, the fact that one of you who said that Obama reads books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you, Alan. Um, and the fact that we had a president who, who reads that, who reads and reads well, good books, right, yeah. and actually understands the words that are in front of him. Yeah. They could probably say anonymous, which I hear Trump can't say. Well, the motto of the reading group is we once had a president who read books and we will again. And, and we will. Here, yeah. here. Yeah. So, and I think um, what I wanted to also say back to the last question about whatever happens in the presidential election, I think all of us here have learned that actually local and state elections and what happens in our local and state you know, government actually matter a lot. And, and in that respect, I actually feel quite hopeful. I sort of feel that we've all been woken up. Like, I didn't know who my state assembly person or my state senator well, were. Well, Linda Rosenthal is right I, upstairs. I, I know, and, and she's, and she's come the, to postcarding, actually. And she's been, she sat in that chair <laughs> yeah. where you're sitting. Yeah, so I think, and a lot of these issues that we care about, gun control, reproductive freedom, these are actually are happening, even environmental issues, they're happening on the state level. So if you saw what happened in Virginia, yeah, there, there, there's hope. There's an organization called Represent Us. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. And they are, that's what they do. They are taking the issues and they're not, they're, they're um, actually nonpartisan and they are just looking at the issues. They say there's too much corruption in our government, gerrymandering, um, you know, I mean, you, you guys all know the, the corruption. And so they're going state by state. And they've had some success. So absolutely. What is it? Think globally. Act locally. Act locally. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling from questions that Alina gave us. And I, I'm going to ask it because it's like I, I thought it was a really good question. What has been the biggest surprise of your enterprise since you started it? Something that you did not expect when you started protesting our political leaders, and one in particular biggest surprise that you didn't expect you didn't think that would happen go go on um you know what the biggest surprise was and this isn't specific to sing out louise this is more about gays against guns the biggest surprise was that uh was seeing the gays against guns banner and uh, madonna music video (laughs) that was that was that was pretty awesome that's pretty cool (laughs) congratulations you know that that happens we just had the peace poets on and they had a um a poem that they had started to help uh, with tenants' rights, and then it was picked up by the actor. It went viral. Uh, Samuel, ja- Samuel Jackson. Jackson. Samuel. He, it was a song. It was a song, they, they and, songs, and then he yeah. took it up and said, "Everyone needs to sing this song." 
Anyone else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so sometimes there are some surprising victories. Um, so just recently, in the last few months, we've had the governor of um, Kentucky that we wrote postcards for, and a Democrat won that. And you would never think that, knowing about Kentucky. And then same thing, Louisiana. But we wrote for actually an openly LGBTQ candidate for city council in Lincoln, Nebraska last year. And I just thought, like, oh, what total long shot. And he won. Um, wow. I think James... James and I'm, I can't remember his name, but I, that was like surprising, and it actually gave me hope because I think, you know, we have this tendency living here on one of the um, coasts to think about the middle of the country as a sort of vast sea of red, and it's not. Like even in state like Nebraska, there's there are blue pockets, and I think part of what I like to think about the postcards is sending our blue energy into those pockets of blue in the red, and eventually growing more blue. Yeah, like, come out, come out, come out. You, <laughs> and you know you're in hiding. And that's <laughs> actually happened with postcarding. I, I just, I don't mean to hog, but um, there was a group of women in a very red district in Texas, and we wrote for a candidate. He didn't win, but they all got postcards, and they found out about the group, and they started their own sort of underground groups, or where they write postcards in someone's basement, so. <laughs> so oh you, 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 you reverberated. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is an amazing thing, yes. though, when you hear about how much in hiding people of the left can be in, in some of these communities. It, it, you know, it just sort of seems like something out of, you know, the, the 30s or something. You know, it's, it's really kind of shocking. Well, as I know. watch the elections on TV, you know, they talk about Texas. I say, wait, Texas, they have Democrats in Texas? But of course they do. And, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Well, in, in Texas, is shifting. Texas could be, like, solidly purple within the next few elections and possibly even blue in the From next couple mouth, of decades. Your mouth, Jay, to <laughs> Chelsea, anything surprising? Real collective. I think, uh, for us, it, the surprise is that we're still here and that there's been so much interest in the ways that we've grown because, as you're saying, once you start doing stuff, there's... I think I was surprised at how many people wanted to work with us and were were had said I was looking for something like this. I'm an artist. I was looking for Perfect. a way to get out what I'm feeling inside of me and, and to help. And um, we have taken on new members and we've created, we're doing more just like volunteer opportunities that don't have anything to do with performing and uh, people sending us scripts that they want us to, you know, consider for our, I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. That's a huge surprise. You're Very real. Nice. You're We're real. real. <laughs> well, yeah. I wanted to audition for one of the shows. Yeah. You should. <laughs> Do you accept any men? No. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, we have no, men you are non-binary, honey. Actually, we have a word. <laughs> we have a word for our our uh, our male allies, which is shrallies. Shrallies. <laughs> <laughs> can be a shrallie. But he's totally non-binary. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's very feminine. Uh, and he's, and he's fine with it. He loves it. Isn't there? Jeff. Jeff. You know. Surprise. In the beginning, I hadn't even planned to record these things, and somebody told me I should put them on Facebook, and then we started doing them on Facebook Live, and the biggest surprise for me has been the fact that they have this life after the readings. I had thought of them as, I'll stand in this place, and I'll use my voice, and anyone who comes with me will use their voice as well. But the readings are now posted on Facebook Live, recorded, shared, um, and I'm mean, forgetting what we all feel about maybe Mark Zuckerberg and, and Facebook's uh, <laughs> intrusions into our daily lives, it gives us a platform to put these things out in the right. world. And people react with them. They connect with them. And people I don't know uh, really seem to appreciate them and, and find that this teaching gives them a way to, to connect with texts and uh, parts of their history and, and things happening today that feel important, seem important, but they, they are, maybe they're in a red state, maybe they're just far away, maybe they just don't have any, uh, anybody around them that's willing to do this type of book group or, or you know, go to a play or go somewhere that will, they'll feel connected to all of this. And it give, seems to give them a place to do that, and that's been really And, and you're out there uh, at, at, at Trump Tower. Um, Every Friday at noon. At noon. And all, all are welcome, and uh, it's open to the public, and we really enjoy using Trump's lobby against him. <laughs> God bless you. You are listening to Bar Crawl Radio. Alan and I have conversations at our neighborhood bars with most interesting people. Yes, we do. Today, we have been talking with the leaders of four progressive political protest groups. 
Thanks to Jay Walker of Sing Out Louise, Ellen Benders, Markers for Democracy, Chelsea Feltman, The Shrill Collective, and Jeff Bergman of Learn as Protest. Thank you very much. We, we had a great time. Thank you. Thank We're you. recording from the porch of Gebhardt's Beer Culture Bar, just west of Broadway's West 72nd Street. We'd love to hear from you. Anyone you would like, uh, yeah, anyone you would like us to talk you to. You wrote this out. I know. <laughs> anyone you would like us to talk to, contact us at barcrawlradio, gmail.com, all one word, all lowercase. And once again, thanks to our co-producer, Alina Larson. Thank you, Alina, for putting this episode together. I don't think we've had so many people around the bar crawl table here on the porch. Such a and good panel. Thank you, Wade Ripka, Soviet pop band, Eastern Blockheads. I was going to let us, uh, Wade take us out, but I think we'll let the Shrill Collective take us out. Sounds with good. A, with another cut from Trifles. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Um, so, so you edit it together, and then you, you have to edit in the fart noises and the <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> we do this other thing. We call it other other, where it's just Alan and I talking. And he kept my burp in. She had the most perfect wow. burp. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> as a as a, as a as not, there's I'm a boy in me was like right. really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and I've 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 used it again. Real. He likes. We like the pimples. Yeah. But anyway, that, yeah, you guys were fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank you. you know, I, there's an Alfred Hitchcock adaptation of of of, of that play. Of that play. Really? I, I just I happen to have seen it's you know he had two different hour long hour long series. There's Alfred Hitchcock oh, yes, I remember Hour I and Alfred Hitchcock. There was Alfred yeah, Hitchcock yeah. Presents and there was Alfred Hitchcock Hour. I, I can't remember which one it's on. But when you started describing, I was like, I've seen this. Oh, I've yeah, seen it. Yeah. And then I was like, wow. Oh yeah, it's and I've seen it recently, like wow. within the last. I couple. Have to check that out. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I it, yeah. And I was like, oh, I Did they that. call it Trifles or is it? I, you know, it was just an episode. You know, it, they may very well have. It may have been the title, but you know, because they did actually title all of those shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he come, comes into his... Uh, into his... Into his... Into his uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, check it out.